You are tuned in to the Way of Healing podcast, where we inspire humans to connect more deeply to their experience of life. My name is OJ. My name is Casey. We are connecting with practitioners to talk about the potential of the innate healing powers within. Welcome back to the Way of Healing. I'm Casey. Uh, OJ. Hey, OJ. Hi. Breaking out the citrine. Yeah, oh, yeah. Gotta have it. What else? Itacrase, right? Same. You got oh. the little green one. We got stones and crystals here. Some bring in good juju. Podcasting friends. Yes, our podcasting friends. We also have a super special new friend with us today sitting around the red round kitchen table. We have Lalita uh, of Kalari Healing. Welcome, Lalita. Thank you. She is fresh off the plane from Australia. How fortunate are we? Like we get her within hours of her landing in North America. So... Super happy to have you. Both OJ and I have been anticipating this. We're yeah. both like, she's so badass. We yeah. can't wait till she comes. Thanks for coming. Yeah. So thanks. Thanks so much for taking time for us. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure. Such a pleasure. Yeah, and you're here for how long? I'm in LA for a week and then out in New York for five weeks. Uh, wow. It's, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be a hot five weeks. I can promise you that being from yes. that area, if you're going in August, mid-July to August. Yes. It will be steamy, woman. You will be, yeah. I mean, I don't know how different it'll be from where you live in Australia. Where do you live in Australia? In Melbourne. And it is a pleasant, a very, very pleasant change because in Melbourne right now it's icy cold. Right. And a bit rainy and it's, the weather is changing a lot there and it's very dry. Oh. So being um, not from that Originally not from that climate, I Mm -hmm. actually like the heat a lot. And it's great for training as well, the heat and treatments. Cool. So it changes, yes. So what training and treatments are you talking about? There's a lot. I I was looking at your website earlier and there's there's some cool stuff on there. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different aspects of the work that I do. And the training uh, and the treatments are very directly related. We call them Kaladi, but the martial art is called Kaladi Payat. And the Kaladi is actually the place that we train in. So it's, a, it's about four feet underground. It's a pit. Uh, the floor is made of a mud. Sometimes it's a, it's a healing mud. And we consider that a temple where we train. And so the warriors, they would go out and fight using their awareness of the vital energy points, the channels, different weaponry and all of the martial combative movements. And then they would come back and use the same awareness of the vital energy points to heal themselves, to revive their body and those points. And then all of the herbs, diet, lifestyle, meditation techniques. So they're a unified practice. And as practitioners and students, we usually will go from either the healing arts to the martial arts or actually more more commonly the martial arts to the healing arts. And that was your path, yeah? Actually, I started in both. I think I. What culture? Can we talk about what culture this uh, is from? Yes, this is from South India. So from a state called Kerala. Uh-huh. Which is right on the on the side. Sometimes the, we pronounce it Kerala here. Kerala, yeah, yeah, Kerala, <laughs> sorry, yeah, ladies, yeah. That's okay. Sorry, <laughs> is that where you're from originally? No, my father's from Gujarat in the north, and my mother's from Goa in the south. So I'm also not from Kerala, but I think I started practicing 
when I was much younger, I uh, was selling and making uh, jewelry with stones. And I was about 17 and I was selling them all over the world wherever, wherever I was traveling. And then I got really sick and I was actually working in marketing and business development and sales. And that's what I did in my first university degrees. And then I got unwell and then I went to see a naturopath and then that led me to want to start studying naturopathy. And at that time, I'd already been working with stones and seeing the healing powers of the stones. So that was, I felt like I was living a double life. So then after I stopped doing the, the business world thing, then I, I started studying naturopathy and, and over the years I'd found Kaleri in Australia actually. And my first teacher was a student, long-term student of my guru in India, who's called Sadhguru Hanuman Das. And after a year, I went to meet him and then I've just always gone back. So, but I'm, I'm actually born in, in the Middle East, in Bahrain. That's where my parents met. So also from a warm climate. And then we moved to Australia when I was quite young. And then every year as a child, I went back to India. And then as an adult now, for the last 10 years, I go back to see my teacher in Kerala to train more and do intensive training there. Cool. I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I wasn't jealous. Oh, yeah. It's... Pretty groovy. Didn't you have a stint living in Japan also? Yes. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. I was, yeah. <sighs> yeah. Super cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was studying Japanese in university and in high school and... I really wanted to go and live there and study more. And I got into an international exchange program mm. and then went to Osaka and I was living and studying there for a year. And I, and I was also training karate there in the Osaka University Club in the dojo there. But my martial experience actually started when I was 14. I was living in Singapore for a couple of years with my family. And then I started in Taekwondo. And so that was the first real experience of martial arts. So, yeah, that that would would have been the first starting kind of uh, place that took me into then more martial work and then yoga when I was living in India in high school and and then that kept on going to the stones and and then kaladi and naturopathy very natural progression like it's so obvious when you're talking about all of these things that you have ended up with this skill set given what tools you you had in your toolbox yeah Mm -hmm. and also though the repeating theme that so many of us healers come to our work through our own healing journey right I mean I don't think that we can come to it without that yes we often talk about that yeah and that the levels of advancement that we make is directly related to where we advance in our own healing yes right yes What, what we can offer how open can we be Yes. That sort of thing. So tell us a little bit about Kaleri. Kaleri from the martial art perspective? From whatever, wherever you want to start from. Well, maybe I'll introduce a little bit about the martial art because it's not so well known. They say it's the mother of all martial arts, Kaleri, Mm. uh, Kaleri Payet, and of course Indians taking ownership of everything as we love to do, uh, have the story that it started in, in, in India and then Bodhidharma, who was a monk, went to the Shaolin Temple and then that became Shaolin Kung Fu and then that went to no Japan as Karate and, oh. then, and then that that's one uh, historical account of how we got the Asian martial arts. 
And then there's a couple more, but that's probably the most famous. And we, so we have all aspects in our martial art. You, it looks like Kung Fu. It looks like Karate. We've got sharp weapons, uh, ninja looking weapons as well. Movements that are animal-like. We've got stances which are animal-like and poses which are animal-like. Got a lot of yoga. Meditation is part of the martial practice as well. And a lot of forms and body training. So, and then we've, we've also got the very um, intensive combative training as well. So we have a very wide range. Um, so many people that look at it see other martial arts in it. We've also got locks and throws. So you can see the jujitsu in there as well. And so there's so many different uh, aspects. But of course, we're always coming back to this concept of respect and discipline. And we learn in the gurukul system. And that's probably the most important part of the whole Kalari experience is that we're learning directly from a teacher. And it's that you progress depending on what the teacher feels you're ready to progress with. So some of my training is a very traditional training, like the Miyagi style, where my guru will be like, you know, go and water the banana plantations for three days, go and scrub the floors. And, and when we go to the ashram there, our training center is very special because it's an ashram. So we have a training center. We've got a healing, wow. residential healing space. We've got banana plantations. We've got 30 dogs. We've got so many different things happening and, and temples and then the training temple as well. So we are, as students, go there to do seva, which is devotional work. Mm -hmm. So our first priority is assisting our teacher uh, or our guru do and maintain the space and facilitate healing for others as well. So we can invite people to come and receive healing treatments and then also come to train the martial arts. So that system is quite different and it's not so prevalent now. With traditional Ayurveda, you can go to a school now or in a university, even in India, to study. But Kaladi as the healing system and also as a martial art, that's, it's still very small. There's not a lot of documentation. So it's very hard to find that any teacher might have different names for different points on the body. And each style of Kaladi is different as well. So even in the martial forms, we've got a Northern Carolyn style, a Central and a Southern. I train the Southern style, which we call Tekkan, and that's more combative. So we have very different ways of, of how we progress in that. And so that's quite interesting. And so, it, yeah, it all depends on how my teacher feels, what, what he thinks we should take on in terms of weapons or different kind of forms and ideas or philosophies in that. So I feel very fortunate to have met him and, and be and learn through the system. Although in Australia and wherever I teach, I teach in a different way because it's very hard to teach in that way in the West. And that surely it does to a certain extent lose that very traditional aspect. So it's something that I'm really trying to maintain the lineage so that we can pass on the lineage in its most pristine form. But, and that's, that's kind of part of my work I feel as well is to help pass on this lineage because there's very few of us training in it. Mm. That's the coolest shit ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, uh, at least in the modern day. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Because this was like the way of ancient training. Like you mentioned, it used to be apprenticeship. It's, we've all seen Karate Kid, right? Mm -hmm. One, two, three. What were you going to say, OJ? I love how the 
balances. There's a, there's the combative nature of, of the whole system and then there's the healing nature of it. And for me, that's very much how I find my balance in my life. Like I do jujitsu and jujitsu is a really big part of what I, what I do. And it, it really helps work the masculine side of me in a way that's meditative. Like I go into it and it's like, I'm in my Zen, I'm in my zone and I get to just flow and go. And then there's the healing side of me, right? The balanced out part. And Casey had brought something up a few weeks ago, a couple of months ago. I don't know when it was. And she was talking about watching UFC and the impact of that on me and that being a martial art. And I was telling her that for me, it's more, I come, I watch it more from the perspective of like these people have dedicated their lives to training the, themselves and, and making themselves the best version of themselves as possible. And then they come together and they, in a way, test those skills, right? And so I'm assuming, I don't know, but I'm assuming it's, it's a lot like that with the, the martial arts system where it was created and you guys are working towards getting yourselves to this ideal point and then once in a while testing to see you know how far you've come in that sense is that yeah I think the developing our best selves is what we're aiming to do and not to be fighters mm -hmm. or trained kind of ninjas uh we, we were training to be that very highly skilled but not to actually use our skills we actually because it's a deadly martial art mm -hmm. we don't have open sparring we can't have open sparring because we're, as we develop and try to become masters, we're aiming for vital energy points that are very quick access to dangerous and very vulnerable areas on the body. So we're not actually supposed to use those techniques uh, or even test them out because it's so dangerous and also because we have weapons. So, and we have things like swords and shields and daggers and flexible swords. Guys, she is in my kitchen right now. Can I just emphasize that? Yeah. Lolita <laughs> is here with us in the flesh. Uh -huh. <laughs> so was it created originally for combat purposes? Yes, it was. And I believe they also used to, the kings used to choose their best fighters and then send them into the arena to help decide whether they were going to do certain things or they were going to win an area or overtake a certain area or, or dispute some kind of conflict. And then whoever won, would, that would be the side that would take the winning. So that's how they, and they would have drummers and it was a big event. I mean, I'm picturing Roman, right? I'm picturing yes. so many things, gladiators, right? In Africa, they still do it. African, yeah. right? Greece. It's, there's so much overlap and so much intersection. I'm wondering if for our listeners who aren't familiar with uh, Kaleri, if I'll get the pronunciation better by the end, I promise my tongue is a little bit sluggish today, apparently. It must have been the five hours I spent at that DMV this morning. Truth, true facts. Um, is there any similarity to something like a capoeira? Do you know, are you familiar with capoeira? Capoeira, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've actually spent lots of time in Brazil. Uh-huh. And, um, and I trained capoeira when I was there, and I still train some capoeira in, in Australia. So... Yes, there is some similarities in terms of the, the types of movements that we do and the types of kicks and, and attacks and defenses. In terms of its application face-to-face, -face, 
as well because we do have combative we do have contact in our practices ah, you do yeah we okay. do have contact in our drills we have contact because we do still want to train that what you were saying about testing the skills we're still testing them to some extent but we can't go to the the the, the maximum capacity or you know take you down and then hold you until you tap out kind of thing we don't do that but we have in india there are championships that happen that test skill level so there'll be people that are doing showing their forms and so there are people that win state championship in kalari payat and also they we have demonstrative forms so we will practice face to face demonstrations and sequences and then practice that in front of each other i do sometimes do we do open sparring but it's it's a it's quite controlled because we can't let it go too out of control and with weapons you have to be at a certain level to be able to do that so i think that's you know and people have to want to train that that way and accept the potential dangers in in what can happen but we train with long staffs and short staffs and and that face to face we are you know it's it's quite a normal thing to get nicked by the the staffs mm-hmm. so injury is part of the training but we're able to do that because we're also able to heal ourselves mm. and that's why we normally when we're in india we're training 2 or 3 hours in the morning 2 or 3 hours in the evening and in between we're doing lots of physical work and doing treatments and then maintaining the place so it's just consistent training and trying to get to the point where we're pushing also through our injuries and healing ourselves and learning how to heal ourselves as well so that reminds me of chuaka Yeah. Right? From are you familiar with that at all? This was no. I think Mongolian. Mhm. Ancient warriors who had been in battle would need to repair them themselves overnight before the next day and so they would do these I think it's something the translation is roughly like bone cleaning or something like that. Mm-hmm. So finding points with your with your fingers or with parts of your body along a bone and a muscle or a bone and a you know wherever you have injury and applying soft pressure but consistent and stable and it helps repair the tissue it helps break up you know scars scarring damage reduces inflammation that kind of thing yeah. i don't know that much about chuaka but maybe do you want to tell us a little more about the healing components of kalari yes yes Almost. that was that was close Shoot. that was really ah, good still slow that was good kalari um <laughs> we we call the healing practice kalari marma chikilsa and the marma is the are the vital energy points on the body uh, similar to the acupuncture and acupressure points i was i was going to say is it the marma points is that what we're working with we've talked to a few practitioners now who are using these marma points i do facial marma in, oh great in, in some of my work and yeah 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 so those are the points that we're also aiming for in the martial art as well mm-hmm. so it's that's that's the overlap there as well and in the Kaladi Marmachikilsa and Kaladi Ayurvedic practices we've got our medicines so we're making medicines from scratch in a very indigenous way and very traditional way in the ashram again it's it's very different to possibly other centers the practice Kaladi we make a lot of our medicines from scratch so we'll go find the herbs we'll grind them we'll clean them then we'll grind them then we'll get these big cauldrons we'll use coconut husks to an oil to make the fire we'll say prayer it's all within like a medicine making room and then we have you know and some of the oils will take us 3 to 4 days to prepare and make consistently with fire 
And so that's that's a very important aspect of our training. Sometimes we'll be training in the mar- we'll go for training to to practice the martial arts, and our trainer will say, "Well, we've got to make this medicine, so let's go make that our training." And so we're pounding and doing a lot of physical work, which is also part of the training. So we have the medicinal component, and and our medicines are also different from the traditional Ayurvedic ones. Kaladi in Kaladi we use. Siddha Vedic practices and then also Ayurvedic practices. They're slightly different, very similar, but slightly different. And we, in some of our medicines, we do also use animal products as well. So that also is a little bit different from the traditional Ayurvedic practices. Although I know in, in traditional Ayurvedic practices, they also use, we also use ghee and, and animal products, but this we, in Kaladi, we use feathers and bones. Wow. So that become part of the medicine? Yes, and even internal medicines, hmm. which change everything from the philosophy as well. So that's it's a little more, I, I would say, indigenous than Ayurveda in that Shamanic. way. Shamanic. Yes, yes. Very, right? Earthy, yes. yeah. Yeah, and the, coming th- the, the warrior kind of uh, ancestry coming through that as well. And then we've got very traditional as, uh, Ayurvedic aspects as well. So looking at the body from the Doshik perspective, using the Samkhya philosophy, so the Ayurvedic cosmology as well, considering the elements in how we diagnose and then treat the person. And like many other, like every Ayurvedic practitioner, will have a different perspective on how to diagnose and then treat. My teacher will... Sometimes he will give a diagnosis that I'll see from a completely different view and another doctor might see it from a very different view and very different from the traditional Ayurvedic view. And sometimes that's still a mystery for me to unpack and work out what it actually means and why he might be seeing that person from that perspective. So it, it changes a lot and it's dependent on how the practitioner is feeling as well. So it's it's very organic and unique how we will look and diagnose person. We do similar kind of pancha karma style treatments where we are, we might do seven day, 14 or 21 day treatments where we have our traditional Kaladi Ayurvedic massage. We also have Shirodara and full body dharas and Vasti and herbal steams and all of those kind of traditional treatments. They are still quite different to the traditional way though, because the oils we use are different. The diagnostic tools we use are different. And our, even our Kaladi Ayurvedic massage, our full body treatment, that's quite different from the Ayurvedic massage because we're really focusing on opening up the channel. So our, our movements go from one hand to the opposite toe and then cross around the center and then go the other way. So we've got this very kind of integrative feeling of flowing movements that I feel is quite different from the traditional Ayurvedic style. and. Again, the oils are different in that as well. And we also use our pinda or our what we call kiri, which are herbal heat packs, which usually will have a traditional, a tr- uh, different herbs in that to the traditional Ayurvedic herbs as well. And that's, I use my teacher's recipes. So they're also quite different and will vary from practitioner to practitioner. So that treatment is really great for many different ailments. And my master guru in India, he will also do realigning of the bones so that 
Ayurvedic bone setting and chiropractic kind of work was also a big mm-hmm. focus in Kaladi. Of course, in the Western world, you need chiropractic degree to apply those. So mm-hmm. that's a challenge to apply outside of India. And we're looking at rejuvenating the body as well. So that's the, the Siddha Veda is coming at from the perspective of looking at what aspect in the body can we make stronger and more powerful rather than only put it the other way, which would be putting in things. Sometimes we look at that or even taking out and purging, which is very traditional Ayurvedic Panchakarma style. We're looking at re- let's rebuild the tissue, break down the tissue, the tissue and rebuild the tissue and our our main full body treatment looks at that so i treat people that have i might treat them just once off or once a week or i'll do a full 7 day 14 or 21 day treatment with them as well including other types of other types of methods like the shirodara the head oil bath and other things so that's the traditional kaladi ayurvedic healing approach and then because i'm a naturopath as well i bring in the scientific approach as well. So I use iridology in my consultations. I look at a lot of pathology as well and try and align the pathology and the biology and the biochem with the Ayurvedic and traditional views. Sometimes they can be conflicting, but I I really like to bridge that gap. And especially in the West, looking at blood tests, talking about what's actually going on from the systemic perspective I feel is really great because then we can have a relationship with their specialists, my client's specialists, and then also doctors as well. So I really like doing that. And then also using supplements and herbs that have been put into formulations from the naturopathic perspective. But when I use liquid herbs or raw herbs, I sometimes will use a mixture of Ayurvedic and naturopathic or Western herbal medicine and then fuse them together depending on the person. So I also really love bridging that gap and using both the Western and Eastern perspective. <laughs> Sorry, that's, that, that's a lot. Yeah. Oh this is like, God. I mean, it's one of the most comprehensive modalities I've ever heard of in For terms sure. of like getting everything. And it's also coming from people that are physically in tune with their bodies in the sense that they use their bodies all the time to to like martial arts, right? And I think that's really important nowadays where you have healers or practitioners or people that, even doctors, right, that are so out of shape and they just don't know what's going on in their body in a physical sense. They just know how to prescribe the medicine. But the fact that your system comes from a place, the the trick is not to just say, just to not say it so I don't get it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Say what? I'm not going to say what? (laughs) Kaladi. Oh, okay. But it's because you're coming from a place of like people that actually use their bodies in the way that they want to optimize and then you're working towards rejuvenating it and making it stronger rather than just masking the symptoms. I think it's it's so cool. Yeah. It's it's all of these things. When you are in a healthy place for your own self, your own systems are maximized. Your brain is functioning at a high level. All of your organ systems, your heart, your kidney, your endocrine, right? When that is aligned for you, you can be of a greater service to everybody else as opposed to like, well, I'm on, you know, these five meds and uh, I'm just going to prescribe these five meds for somebody else or, right? It's just, it's much more comprehensive. I was listening to, uh, 
a doctor. He's he's in Canada right now, originally of Turkish heritage, Dr. Gabor Nate. I don't know if that's his last name. And he was talking about how in, and he's a he's a medical doctor, but he is working on integrating the spiritual and energetic and awareness component to health and healing for the Western system. And he was talking about how it's in the West, it's, you know, a diagnosis of degeneration or inflammation or obstruction. And we just look at it uh, symptomatically. We don't look at, well, what is causing the inflammation or the obstruction or the, right, the energetic thing. And it was funny because in part of his talk, he was reading from obituaries in wow. a Canadian newspaper and about, you know, this, this is a selfless person who never got in a fight, never heard her yell, never heard her whatever. And he said, do you not think that all of her repressed emotions from all of those years contributed to her heart attack? Right. Mm -hmm. Or that kind of thing. This was a doctor who never missed one client appointment. Right. Well, what is the impact on the body? So in Kaladi, that was close. That was really good. That was really good. Uh, in Kaladi, it has the the discipline of healing yourself, which I think is such an important thing for all of us to understand conceptually. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it is. I think uh, that's really helped me continue my practices. Uh, when I first started actually in the massage and treatment, somebody told me, or massage therapy, you'll you'll last five years and then you'll burn out, and that's mm. that's just the that's just the norm. And I was like, really? And then now I've been practicing for over ten years, and I'm not. I don't feel burnt out, and it is the practice, the movement practice, and meditative practice that I believe is continually rejuvenating me to help to continue to help other people. But I've also realized recently having more injuries has really helped me and going through different kind of conditions has also helped me help and and tap into other people's issues because I feel like I'm drawing the people that have also had the similar things to me. And that's been so enriching because I can really feel where they're sitting and, and what they're feeling. And then also what I'm using on myself for my own rehabilitation, I can also share with them. So that's been a really empowering and positive experience. So I, I really see when I get sick, I'm like, great. Okay. This is life giving me an opportunity to learn. How do I help the next person that comes in with that? And so it's been a really nice process to go through. And, and also coming back to the Gurukul system, that's been also quite beneficial and very different to, because my guru makes me really look hard at what, who am I as well and cut through to the ego and he, because he's not just feeding me information on a plate it's this relationship of humble yourself and learn more and show me that you're learning more and dig deeper and dig deeper and dig deeper and that as well has helped this internal reflection and what am I doing and why am I doing this and the hardships of, of having to learn the practice make me also feel like that's part of how I can learn how to help other people because I have to know how to learn that hardship and how to get the information to then be able to deliver it to people in a way that they can understand. So, yeah, that's... To simplify that, it's like you can't teach a language unless you can speak the language. Yeah. 
I'm curious, um, in most traditional, traditional, in, you know, ancient indigenous wisdom-based healing, there is the spiritual and energetic component. And it sounds like there is just in the gurukul system that you're talking about, which is my teacher decides when I personally am ready to, you know, level up in my journey, right? And it might not be because I've memorized these 15 things and I can repeat this recipe of poses or postures. Is there an actively talked about spiritual component to this learning, to this system, to maybe where pain is in the body or where you're susceptible to injury or anything like that? Is there, is there that piece of it? Yes, there is. There are, I, again, I, I don't know in other colonies or other, other centers, but my teacher, because he's a, he's a healer and then he's also a, a master martial artist, he's also a spiritual man or what we call a swami or a guru, and he's taken the vow of celibacy and he's, he's stepped into that swami state. He's and done a lot of research and study himself. He does talks and, and talks about and answers your questions about life and how to live and, and different stories and mythology as well. So that's quite active in our Kalari Center. Also because we have Hanuman Temple in the space because he's a Hanuman devotee and a Shiva Temple as well. We And he's, he's a, a person of the Hindu belief system. So then we have that spiritual side as well. So we're lucky because we have that side. But Kalari is actually a universal practice. So you don't have to leave or add any kind of a spiritual or religious kind of belief system. But we are in the way that we show respect and discipline in our practice and in our salutations, we talk about why we do that. And we talk about the connection to the earth and we talk about connection to our practice and ourselves. And that I believe is a spiritual, a strong spiritual component. Plus in the healing aspect, we do talk about and study why we go for, why we apply pressure or try to heal certain parts of the body or specific points and where they're connected to. And because the channels and the marmas are connected to this bioelectricity in the body and then the chakra system, we are studying that consistently as well. So we are acknowledging if you have a problem in, let's say, the sciatic nerve, then which vital energy points are connected to that and which channel is that connected to, which organs or other areas of the physical body are connected to that, but then also what's the relationship to that channel and then the emotional and other layers in our being as well. And then, of course, we'll step into well, what's the mindset that goes into healing that uh, ailment in the body. So that brings a very a, a more spiritual component into our practice and also into our study. And we as like I feel like I'm just consistently studying. So we don't normally have ranking systems until you get to become a master or a guru. So we kind of, every time I go back to India, I'm, I'm uh, continually going with questions for my teacher to then delve deeper and deeper and ask different kind of aspects. So I think that's the strong spiritual perspective. And then we also have to sit in meditation as well and do yogic practices and breathing practices. That's a big part of our, our martial practice and the healing practice. 
So that takes us into the pranic space, which again is connected with that with the subtle energy in the body. So so those practice also by the physical practice take us back into that area. And then that discussion when we bring questions to our teachers and our trainers, that is brought up and then evolves from there. How much of the martial arts is used in the treatment? Like do people come to you with a certain uh, like a back issue or something like that? And do you give them some type of strengthening exercise from the martial arts to help with that? Yes, yes. I found that people have rehabilitated with the martial exercises. And I've also done other studies in ancestral movement as well and spinal health. And that's also something that I'll share with clients that come or even students that come with injuries. Most people that I know who are moving have an injury. So it's it's been really interesting to come to that realization and not be afraid of that because I think that's also a fear. A lot of people come in, they're like, yes. well, I have an injury. Can I do this? And I normally say, yes, you can. You, you, we just have to work around it. And then I can give you different things to do that will help. And even people that come with problems with their organs or other kind of conditions, if we go back to the spine and then the nervous system, then we can isolate what kind of movements that they can do based on their issue to liberate that area, to bring more movement into that area, to then allow more blood flow and oxygen and everything to help recovery of that area. So that's, that's truly something we do. And another thing that we do is we apply oil onto our body before we train to heat up the body, to help put a barrier over the skin so that we have greater detoxification when we're moving and then also to lubricate the joints. So that's a practice that we usually do. And so sometimes somebody will come with a backache and then I'll give them a treatment. Then I'll also tell them, well, and apply this oil onto that area and then do these movements after you've applied the oil and that gives much greater benefit for them. Yeah, that's huge. I worked at a, a gym and, and a lot of it was people that are training and weightlifting and doing all these things to look look good, which doesn't necessarily lead to like good movement patterns. And I would work on a lot of people and they, they would say, oh, I have this pain or I have this pain or I have this pain. And we would work it out on the physical level, but there's a lot of times where I found that just things aren't moving properly, especially around the spine. And I try to tell people like this movements that you are doing might not be conducive to you healing whatever you've, you've come to see me with. And, and not a lot of people are willing to let go of certain movement patterns because that's what they use to help keep themselves looking good, right? Out of curiosity, how much of the movement of the spine and the central nervous system in your experience has uh, like, is that a big source of the philosophy as far as like healing the physical body? Yes. Yes. So we're doing a lot of, a lot of spinal mobility kind of movements and you'll see a lot of flowing movements through the spine with our animal like stances mm -hmm. and going from standing to squatting to very low squats. So we, we trying to, and then jumping from there and then spinning around and landing the other way kind of thing. So we've got a lot of movement of the spine and, and it's to help keep it supple and healthy. And so the healthy spine, healthy life concept really is quite strong in quality. Mm -hmm. So, and we do a lot of analysis of that in the healing practice. Usually when I'm, I've got somebody on the table, I will, I will go over the spine with my hand so I can feel 
the vertebrae and see where could there be inflammation that might be relating to other kind of conditions going on in the body on a physical level, on an emotional level as well, and then also an internal level. So, so yes, so it, it's, it's really important for us to keep that supple and healthy while we train. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the trickiness comes in with the bone setting, right? Because if the spine is so important and in the West, if you're not a chiropractor and you touch anything on the spine, you're in big trouble if someone finds yes. out. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I work alongside chiropractors sometimes. And so they'll go to see the chiropractor, come and see me. And then we're, we're doing the, the muscle relaxation and then using the heat packs to help move out all the inflammation and, and soften the body. And then, then they, it works really well in combination with chiropractic work. How important is the movement to keeping a chiropractic adjustment adjusted or, or in alignment? Spine? Yeah, in alignment. Oh, I think it's so important. I think like, you know, and that's one of the reasons you can keep on cracking and, and aligning the spine but, and, and other parts of the body. But if you don't keep the muscles, which are holding everything mm-hmm. together as well, in a soft and relaxed way that they're not tensing around the nerves and then everything kind of freezes in, then you're just going to keep on having to go through that process again. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. He just said what was in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. Uh, worked at a clinic where we had chiropractors and we did deep tissue, like muscle work also. And so the, the two worked really well with each other. But the missing component was the movement of the spine. Mm. And I, I used to teach yoga and I've recently studied Tai Chi and Qigong and there's a lot of spine movement and a lot of movement, uh, especially within the, the abdomen. And a lot of that's meant to keep the body open and the spine open. And I think unless you have those, all those components together, the spine is just going to stiffen right up, especially those who have desk jobs or have jobs where they're in one position for hours on end, like it's going to tighten up, right? Writers, it's really big, especially in in LA. I have a lot of writer clients and they're sitting at desks for anywhere from 10, 12, some 16 hours a day. And it's like, oh, my back, my shoulder. And we work and we work. And it's almost like if you're not going to put in the work to mobilize some of the things that are tightening up when you sit, then, you know, it's going to keep coming back. Mm. Yep. And also I think like and adding to that, you're, we're compressing the main area, the base of the spine. Right. And, and we're just sitting on it and compressing that area instead of liberating that area where the hips are connected. And that also I think causes a lot of emotional issues and storage of emotions in this area and, and things get stuck. And yeah, that's also added to that rigidity that sets in, mm-hmm. I think. And the Kaladi, that's another thing that's very different in the Kaladi massage is that we do a lot of work over the, the hips. So it's quite different, uh, I think, to other even traditional Ayurvedic practices and massages from that aspect as well, because we're crossing over and really working through that region. And it's so beneficial. It's something that we miss because in traditional massage, we're draping that area usually, mm-hmm. the glutes and the hips. Whereas in our treatments, we're very much about opening out that area as the center of the body. So, and you can see in our movements in the, from the martial aspect, we've got a lot of low stances as you become more advanced in the practice. And that's doing so much liberation for the hips and the yeah. glutes. Yeah. It's tough, especially here 
in the states where glute work is really frowned upon, unfortunately, and really yeah, in like a traditional spot. setting. Yeah, yeah. You you don't you're not really allowed to touch that. And be- abdomen too. Yeah, oh, and these yeah. are the areas that need it the most right, very often. Right. Yeah, and so it's already stuck, and then you go and get a massage where you're supposed to be opened up, and they don't touch those areas at all. It's and and that's coming back to I think how the practitioner is healing themselves and working on themselves because that's why we have to continuously maintain this martial way because it keeps us in this concept of discipline and integrity and on that path of we're here to be servants to the to our clients to heal them and with that at the forefront so then we're looking at the body from that perspective because we are working hard on ourselves to maintain our minds focused rather than what possibly has happened in the West where it might be seen in a different way, uh, those areas, because we're constantly, we're covering them and we're not, you know, allowed to, to touch them. So that way the martial arts also comes very, that's the important part of the practice as the healer and then the martial aspect and, and the, the hands-on physical treatments, because then we're seeing our clients as our, as our, children or our brothers and sisters or our, our, our parents and, and have that level of, of respect as well and discipline towards what we're doing. So, and that's why we need to have that more with the healers and, and the doctors to actually do their own physical practice and work towards that so that that is always at the forefront rather than another intention. Because mm-hmm. without our own awareness, we can't be of service to our client, plain and simple. Yes. Yeah. Man, so much like beautiful synthesis and it's, uh, yeah, I, I was teaching a class just before we recorded and, uh, I don't prepare ahead of time. I don't go in with a plan because that never feels authentic to me. And what did we do today? Well, lots of squats, lots of pigeon, lots of opening the thoracic, Mm. right? This area that for people I was teaching in a corporate office building is like rigid and doesn't move, right? And it was like, let's get movement in there. So man, spine people, take care of your spine. (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Where do we go from here? Is this your first time in the States? No, I... I came here when I was a kid with my parents on a road trip, which was really interesting and random. And then I came here 2012 and then again in 2013. And I might have flown through this region a couple of other times. But not not that often. Listeners, we get to sit with this gem again around my kitchen table. I have a real life ninja in my house. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're super excited. So while you're here, you're seeing people. Are you are you teaching a little bit? Do you have any? I know that you mentioned that Kaladi, Kaladi, I just need to slow it down. Yeah, that's Kaladi um, isn't very prevalent yet in right in the states you you said that like there's not really there's a group in where idaho or something there's what did you say salt lake city utah okay yeah there's there's some people there some amazing people there and there might be some other people somewhere else in america i'm not sure there has to be more people than what we know i'm mm-hmm. maybe it's just you and utah we don't know maybe, maybe. yeah maybe it's just you and utah 
I think they're not. There's got to be. I, I know that there's so many Indians and from Kerala around the world, so they have to be there. But uh, this time I'm, I may be teaching some classes and some private classes. And then I'm also offering some treatments as well. So that's kind of a, a part of the plan of also enjoying America mm. and the weather and nature here. And yeah, there, there's probably not that, that many people in Australia. There's only five of us wow. in the whole of Australia. So Whoa. teaching that I know of that are publicly teaching. And are they also doing the Southern style? No, everyone's doing different styles. Very cool. So you said yours is Tikan. Tekan, yes. yes. That's the combat style. Yes, that's more competitive. What are uh, the other ones? The Northern style. And sometimes they've got different names. So there's a Northern style, there's a Central style. And then there's kind of various schools that have put their own name to those specific styles as well. So Alana Gregory is in Adelaide and she trains all styles. And then there's Anish Tail and he's in Sydney and he trains Northern style primarily, I believe. There's Katrin Kuka who's in Tasmania in small little tiny island uh, south of Australia. And she trains the same style as Alana and they come from the same school. And then there's a guy in the north, Biju, and he actually he actually also trains the same style as me, but he's also doing his own thing as well. So, yeah, there's I think that's five of us. Again, there's so many people from Kerala and Australia, so I'm really surprised that nobody else has come forth. What are the styles specifically? Like the the northern and the central ones. The northern style is very much actually based on animal movements and theatrical kind of movements. They start off with weapons and then move to bare hands. And the central style is kind of a mix of all, both the styles. So, and then they have like, there's a Karatanadan style, which is the central style. It's one of the central styles. And so they, there's like a Hindustan Kaladi, which is a different kind of style from central Kerala, I believe. So they're all a bit varied, but they they all share I, I still I see everything as colory. Mm-hmm. I see all the styles as the same in, in a way. But we actually start off bare hands and then move into weapons. So there there's a little bit of a difference of how the teachers will teach. And then again, depending on their lineage, they'll teach different styles and what they've been exposed to. Now there's a lot more mixing, as you can imagine. But Kalari was banned when the British came to India. So it, it's, it's kind of like a practice of resistance as well. And bringing it back up is we're really, yeah, involved in a, in a movement of resistance. And so for a long time, people weren't allowed to practice publicly. So they were practicing in hiding. And then in, in the last 40 years only, we've seen a resurgence. And then there's not many women as well practicing or teaching in India and around the world. So again, that's something rare that we see. I think that is quite common in other martial arts as well. Mm-hmm. Do you have all women at your center in Australia? I have other women teaching. And I've now I've got, we've trained two teachers to be assistant teachers and one of them's 
a woman. So that's really nice. There is a very well-known uh, master, Minakshi Gurukul, Gurukul in India, who's I think over 70 or 80, that is teaching and training and she's now quite well-known. And you'll see her in her sari in traditional clothes with a sword and a shield training and with the staff. And she's just, she just, she's like an idol for me. I'm like, I want to be like her when I, when I grow up. So uh, I'm hoping that, you know, we get more females training. And now we've got a lot more Kaluri Payet in, uh, in the Bollywood movies. So there's a couple of really famous actors which are very well-trained Kaluri Payet practitioners and so they're making a lot more well-known so that's what I was just um telling Shannon just now that Kalari I, I really believe it's the next yoga because we've got a lot of yogic practices in in our practice so and because it's so dynamic and it's so we're using so many different aspects and we've got the healing aspect as well it's it, more people are getting to know it so we're in a really exciting time as well seeing more people become aware of the practice I believe it. Yeah, me too. It's like a full service system, lifestyle system. It's yeah. like, you know, yoga has wonderful benefits. And when you start to dive deeper into yoga, you do get breath work and you get uh, food choices, medicine, Medi right? Meditation. Right. Um, so, yeah, that would be cool. There anything else that you would like to share that I mean I'm we could keep talking for 75,000 hours. I know. And yeah, I love Kalari and and the practices because there's so much to talk about and I'm always in the beginning of my workshops I'm like I'm only going to talk for 5 or 10 minutes because this could go on for a long time. Are you planning on throwing more workshops here in the states? Yes. yes. That's something I really love to do and and I've recently come up with this uh, created this martial yoga concept as well. So I'm running those workshops in, in, in Australia and they've been going really well. And, and they're like a fusion between Hatha, uh, traditional yogic practices and philosophies, and then also martial movement. That's kind of bridging the gap because a lot of people come and they're like, that looks way too difficult for me. I don't think I can do that. So then I thought, okay, how about I create a concept where we're doing Ashtanga yoga, we're doing that. We're considering the eight limbs of the yogic practices, which are actually anyway the same as the goal of Kalari Payat as well and, and the Kalari healing practices. And then adding in some flow movement, which are martial, to give people an idea of what they could be doing in the martial aspect, but then also give the people that can't do the martial arts that opportunity as well. Absolutely. To yeah. do some movement and have that experience. Yeah, the key is making it approachable, making yes. it digestible, right? You can't throw a whole system at somebody who has been stagnant and taking different medications and sits at a desk. It has to be like, what can we offer them that they can see and feel the growth and the awareness in their own body? So cool, yeah. Alita. So cool. If people want to get a hold of you, your yes. website is yes. probably the best. The and website kaladihealing.com. Yep. Yeah. .com. Yes. Yeah. And by the time this comes out, you're, you'll pretty much be gone out of LA, I think. Um, yeah. Maybe she's, she's here one more day after that, I think. Yeah. But yeah. Sorry, yeah. audience. I know. Sorry. <laughs> we got her as quickly as we could. And, and I leave tomorrow for Vancouver. So this was a, just a, 
a very fortuitous overlap. Yeah, thank yeah. So you. So again, yeah. thank you so much for coming. This yeah, has thank been you. a big, big honor. And if you're in New York or you know someone that's in New York that wants to see her, right. um, she'll be there for five weeks. Five weeks. Yeah. So yes. until mid August or something like that, third yes. week of August. Yes. Uh, yeah. So yeah, again, she snuck reach all out. her oils into the States. <laughs> <laughs> She's packed herself with herbs. Yes. Yeah. Uh huh. Yes. And are, and you, are you throwing workshops out there? Are you just doing sessions? Uh, I might do some workshops, yes. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm actually going to be based out in the Hamptons. so mm, Twist everyone's arm. Jeez. Yeah, sounds so, awful. Yeah, yeah. So that's beautiful country and beautiful land out there. So that will be actually a really nice place to Perfect. hold a workshop. Um, I'd like to just add, actually add one thing. I'd like to also just pay big thanks and gratitude to to you for inviting me because this is as i mentioned like it's it's hard to find and it's hard to keep this tradition alive so by doing these kind of talks and by doing workshops and by sharing it's actually this uh practice of sharing the information that helps keep it going so thank you so much because it's such a it's my life that the uh, color is my life and my healing practices and martial practices are my life so helps me continue my practice so just you being here and asking me to come on is yeah thank you so much an honor you're welcome so happy to have you whenever we can attend one of your workshops we'll gladly have you on again to talk about that oh yeah that experience Uh uh-huh i'm like video it's the it's today was the day when i was like oh i wish there was video i would have been like do a demo but you can see her our vision for this podcast eventually is to to travel the world and video document these ancient modalities that um people don't know about yeah yeah great yeah so thank you oj for sharing that yeah you're welcome you. so we'll mm. come to you in australia maybe and yes or i might be here yeah well we <laughs> want to be submerged in the experience right yeah so, yeah yeah we'll come and document all that for you so yeah great yeah such an honor. Thank you so much. This Thank you. Amazing. Thank amazing. you. Listeners, hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to The Way of Healing. We hope that you find yourself inspired. If you enjoyed our show, a gift is to let others know. And we want to hear from you. Please share your feedback so we know how our work is resonating. Make us aware of modalities and practitioners whom we may not know. If you haven't already, please subscribe at thewayofhealingpodcast.com. Our email is thewayofhealingpodcast at gmail.com and find us at facebook.com forward slash thewayofhealing. Remember, a rising tide lifts all boats.